there are certain days that seem like they will never go by for me. <laughs> and I'm like, it's dragging on and on and on and on. <laughs> but honestly, taking advantage of the time, and I want to stress that uh, again today, um, I have one week left. And I mean, you can continue, obviously, in your pursuit of seeking God and having him open up our hearts and lay us bare. And it's really been a fast for us of repentance where God has been highlighting and showing things to each of us. I haven't heard much from Julie Marie, but I'm just believing for that. And we, we haven't had a talk, you know, been able to chat about it, but um, where God's exposing stuff in us that are just junky, <laughs> whether it's thoughts or ways of being or whatever. For me, it's been a lot of internal yeah, like I preached last week on unrighteous judgment, you know, the ways we think, and the first week was pride, and um, so it's really great. It hurts, you know, when God unveils those things, because you're like, oh, and for some reason when you fast and you're you're denying yourself something, whether we've talked about whether it's food or TV or something, but the whole point is to spend that time with God. Because the more time you get with him, the more you're able to hear, the sensi more sensitive you're becoming to the spirit, to what he's saying. And that's the point, you know. And we all have, hopefully, our times, you know, during the day or whatever that we intentionally spend time with the Lord. And then during a fast, it's like we up it, you know, to try to position ourselves to hear. Because we know in our world it is very hard. There's distractions everywhere. And we can get... For me, I can get distracted real quick. Um, we all can. There's family, friends, and food, and television, computer, social media. Like, there's everything. And all, all those things can be good in themselves. You know, they're not, they're not sinful. They're not wrong. But when it becomes something that takes more of our time or is taking our focus away, then that's when it becomes like, okay, <laughs> you know, what's it? Our life is so short. Our life is so short, and it goes by quickly. I mean, as a kid, you don't realize it. The more you get an adult, you're like, it's already the end of the year. I, I find myself talking like this, and I remember hearing adults talk like this when I was younger and think, God, wha what do you mean, like, time's flying by? But now I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's almost 2019. This year flew by, and then I'm like, wait a second. I'm in that adult stage already <laughs> that's talking about how life is flying, but it really is. And we're placed here with a purpose. We're placed in the world for a short period of time with a very specific purpose. And that's primarily to know God, to love him, to have relationship with him. It's not like some act or service that we have to do. It's this relationship with him that he wants first, first and foremost. And then the second is that we bring others into that relationship. And the only reason, the only way that we get to that place is when we really are filled with his love and, and are enjoying relationship with him and we're seeing, you know, the fruit of it, peace, life, joy in the midst of circumstances, then we're like, people have got to know this. And my purpose here in life is to bring as many as possible into this beautiful relationship with Jesus. Um, today I'm going to speak on something that 
God's been convicting me of again, like I was saying, it's like Leslie's confessional every Sunday. But I'm d- I'm doing it because n- not only is that type of public announcement of stuff good, because we're staying vulnerable, humble, no nothing hidden here. You know, it's like it is what it is. God already knows what's in my heart, so if He knows, then I could care less if you know, because <laughs> He loves me still. You know, and, and we have to get to that place where it's like God knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knows where we slip up. And if he knows that and we recognize that before him and still are able to walk in relationship with him, then who cares who else knows? You know, I'm only concerned about what God thinks of me. And we each should get to a place. You know, we're in a process of getting to a place where we should only be concerned, what does God think about me? What does he say about me? So today... I was praying this morning, and I, I really was saying, God, what do you have for this morning? Because I haven't heard anything all week. And, you know, it's like, get to Sunday morning, and I'm like, dang it. Like, I have a couple of hours, Lord, and is it supposed to be me? Is is someone else supposed to get up and preach, you know? Because we're open to that. God can move however he wants. Jay's preached before, Renee, Tommy, and Marie saying no. Um, but But I'm saying, like, he speaks through everybody. And he, you know, maybe one day Marie will come in and say, I have a word. Who knows? We're not going to limit God to whatever, you know. She's like, heck no, and don't even say that out loud. Um, but today, th- after I started waiting and praying and praying and waiting and reading and whatever, all of a sudden I heard the religious spirit. And um, that crushed me as soon as I heard it because I said, oh, man, I, I know I've functioned in this a lot in my life. and There's been deliverance. And if he's saying we're speaking it today, it probably means because I'm still functioning in it to some degree or another. And so I'm like, this morning getting crushed. Um, So there's a couple of passages here that I want to talk about, but I want to encourage you to read them on your own because we have such a short time on Sundays to kind of read through and discuss. So really dig in for yourself. Um, Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9. It goes on through the whole chapter, but specifically 1 through 9. Matthew 15, 1 through 9, and then also Matthew 23, 1 through 12. Is what we'll so we'll start with Matthew 15. Um, first of all, the religious spirit, it's a stronghold over the global church. It's not just like one local community, one individual really believe what God was saying. It is a stronghold over the global church because it's so deceptive. It has a form of Christianity. It looks, you know, it's religious. It's It has a form, and so we think that it might be godly, so that it can be very deceptive. Sometimes we don't even see where we might be walking in it. Um, it has an appearance of power and Christianity, but lacks power, which is what the enemy wants. That's why the religious spirit's such a stronghold, because it makes us think that we're doing the right thing, but we lack any power. And if we lack any power, we're not going to be tearing down strongholds or making any difference in our communities. Um, And what it primarily can look like is rules over relationships. Rules over relationships. We're focused on a set of rules instead of relationships. 
because it's still easier as human beings to follow a set of rules, even though we don't match up to them, <laughs> than to engage in relationship, which we know just from being humans and trying to relate to people, it takes work. It takes a lot of effort to build relationship. Think of a marriage, you know? That takes work to get to know each other, to love one another, to serve one another. And it's a joy as well, but it, it takes work to go deep in relationships. You have to go through conflict. You have to work through all sorts of things. That can be a little harder and more kind of like, how do I navigate this than, no, I'll, I'll just stick to my set of rules and, and I'll be okay and I'll get to heaven, which is a problem. We look at, and, and I think because we've condoned it in the church so much, we look at gifting. We look, look at appearance. And then we exalt people and put them in leadership or positions because of those things. And so then we're proponing this of like, it's about what you look on the outside. It's not always. I'm just saying in a general sense, that's what we can do. It's easy to do that. Wow, that person has a gift, a spiritual gift. Let's pull them into leadership then. Let's put them in the front. Oh, wow, they can sing. They can speak. They, can, they have this anointing. They can heal the crowds. You know, if someone has a gift of healing and they're laying hands on the sick and everyone's getting recovered, what, what are people going to do? Let's take that person. We're going to have them up here every single Sunday praying for healing. But you know there's a scripture that says that there will be people that stand before the Lord and said, God, we did signs and wonders in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's a fearful thing. It exposes this fact that before God, it's about the heart. It's about your relationship with him. It's about the secret place. So Matthew 15, starting in verse 1, some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God, is he not, he is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. That's, that's a hard word. And now when I was thinking religious spirit this morning, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is the Pharisees, right, from the New Testament. Jesus confronted them over and over and over again, calling them hypocrites. Now, these were the religious leaders of the day. They thought they were following God. They thought they were setting the example. They thought they were Christians. They thought they were the best of the best, actually. And that's what I'm saying. It's so deceptive. It gets us into a place where we think we're doing all the good things and we're the ones teaching people how to do these good things, and it should look 
this way, this way, this way, and all we're talking about is outer appearance. Your Christianity should look like this, 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 and this. Well, why do we resort to that where God always, Jesus, always in the New Testament brought it back to the heart? He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We can have a form of godliness, 2 Timothy, right? 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, we can have a form of godliness, but we lack the power. We can come here and worship on Sundays, and I think that this is such a uh, heavy message or weighty because what we have or what we've seen, what my generation has seen is that there are many famous uh, Christian leaders who all of a sudden you see have fallen. And who knew? They were prophesying. They were ministering. They were healing the sick. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, and that person's been having an affair for 10 years. And then all of a sudden it came out. And you're like, oh, how did this happen? Because we've honored, we've looked at the outward appearance, and we've honored people because of what they can do rather than looking deeper. The accountability it takes to have this heart attitude before God. The Pharisees were meant to show people Jesus. They were the ones who studied the Old Testament law and all the prophecies to know when Jesus would come. They knew he was coming. They were meant, their position was meant to point people to Jesus. And because they pointed people to the law, to a form, they were rejected and said, called hypocrites by Jesus many times. And they didn't recognize him. We need this to be exposed in our lives. Turn to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12. Now this is a good handful of verses. So Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees, same people he just talked about, right? The scribes and Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with such so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments, they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on your earth father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader. That is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. But whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Wow. How many times do we hear in the church, do not be called leaders. Don't call, where Jesus says, don't call anyone leaders. But he was making a point. 
that Jesus has to be the center. He has to be the focus. He is our number one leader. He's our number one father. He's our number one example. And it, we all, he's talking about the Pharisees who wanted a position, who wanted to be seen by man, who wanted to be honored by man, praised by man. And so he was directly confronting them, saying, don't desire those positions of father, of teacher, of leader. Because what it looks like is to be a servant. True Christianity modeled by Jesus. What did he say? The king of kings said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life up as a ransom for many. Now, this is a hard place because for so long in my life, I and still do struggle with this place of wanting affirmation from people. Doesn't it feel good to be affirmed by people? And now it's not wrong to encourage one another. Encouragement is a, a, a biblical principle that says encourage one another daily. There's a difference, though, when you start to feed only on the encouragement of people. Because if you feed only on the encouragement of people, the minute they complain about you, you're like torn to pieces and I can't go on. It's man-pleasing, right? And the religious leaders of that day, all that they wanted was a position. They wanted to be praised by man. They were, they were stealing praises from God. I like to remind myself that when we sing songs, it's like I give praises to your name. I want his name to be the only name praised. I don't want my name to be praised. I want his name to be the only one that's honored because he alone is worthy of honor. But it's, har it's a hard place to get to. Getting to this low place. What matters is what you do in secret. Not coming here on Sunday and if you raise your hands or sing loud or, or even prophesy. We love prophecy. I love that Jay especially has a gift of prophecy. And when he bubbles over with a word, don't you feel the presence of God? Like that's awesome and it's encouraging, right? But it's not even about that. I would hate to honor Jay just because of his gift, knowing that there's something so much deeper in him that reflects Jesus. That's what I want to look for. When he comes here at food pantry and he serves, he's bringing boxes up and down the stairs that weigh 50 pounds. He's not doing that for anyone to see. He's here doing that for the Lord, I believe. Yeah. There's something about that. No, nobody's going to know, you know, Jay in Maine for bringing boxes up and down stairs. He's not going to be elevated to some place of position because he brought up in boxes up and down or uh, Marie and Renee who went to do the food pick it pick up and did the boxes and put away stuff are they are their names going to be put in lights in Maine because they did that no but in heaven that's the place of honor that's what brings honor that's what Jesus is looking for but what brings honor in the public Christian sphere is prophecy or good teaching or a good worship leader. And then we honor that person. Soon enough they'll fall. Soon enough they'll fall. Because they weren't made to be lifted up that high. 
And it's not that this is a message that we each need to take to heart and not say like, oh, yeah, this person lifts so-and-so up and this person then, you know, walks, wants, has a religious spirit. It's for me to examine myself. How am I? How do I treat my family? I mean, that's a very secret place. The world's not going to know. They're not going to see. But if you come here and worship on Sunday, but you treat your family like junk and you're impatient and not loving and you don't serve, you're in a religious spirit. Because what you're trying to display here on Sunday is that you have this tremendous love for Jesus. But you're displaying it just so that we think you do. Who cares? God sees that you don't. In, in all of eternity, when you get before him, are you going to be like, well, I was so great on Sundays. <laughs> I really worshipped you when the worship team was going. I, you know, I really engaged. He's going to say, oh, you missed it. You missed it. There was something so much greater that you could have gone after, which is relationship with me in the secret place where you choose to clean the bathroom without anyone having to ask you to do it, and you're doing it as unto God, where you wash the dishes. Nobody else in Maine, no one else in the United States is going to know that you wash the dishes for your family without being asked, but Jesus sees those little things, and he delights in it, and he's saying, up, oh, crown, up, oh, here's a crown. I remember this conversation that we were having at my house and I was just doing the dishes after a dinner and a friend said to um, my brother and his friend were joking, oh, she's just storing up crowns for heaven. And I just turned at that moment, I said, you know what, you can have all my crowns. I don't care about the crowns. I just want to love Jesus. Like that's, that's all. But then I started thinking about it more and I said, you know what, I, I was very sincere when I said that. It was out of a sincere place. But then I started thinking, no, when I get to heaven, I want tons of crowns because I get to throw those at his feet. And if I only have one crown, I'm going to feel like crap because I want to keep throwing something. You know, I, I want to have as many crowns as possible because the joy of being able to throw crowns at his feet to give him that glory. Wow. So how am I going to get those things in the secret place? It's in the hidden place where no one else sees. And we have to break this religious thing where we appear a certain way. I'd rather us be so real on Sundays where we come and we're like, yeah, I had the worst week ever. I was mean to my wife. I was mean to my husband. I need help. God sees it. I've been laboring. Can you pray with me? It's honesty. It's vulnerability. That's like breath of fresh air to me. Wow, this is the church. We're family. We can love each other through our weaknesses instead of just pretending like we're all awesome and then being far from God. Yeah, exactly. Like super Christian on Sunday and every other day of the week. I'm not spending time with him. I have no relationship with him. I could, I, you know, my day is just filled up with stuff. But on Sundays, for some reason, all of a sudden, I am the closest to Jesus of anyone else. Yeah, game on. That will only last so long. And you don't want it. 
there's something so much more fulfilling. It's about serving without needing recognition. Yeah. You don't need to be recognized for it because you know it's it's between you and him. Yeah, exactly. By the one that matters. It's about spending time with Jesus because we love him. Not because we feel obligated to. The religious spirit has this obligation thing. It's like if I don't wake up at 5 o'clock and spend two hours with the Lord, then I'm not a good Christian. Yeah, I, then I'm just, a, I, I'm terrible and I can't, whatever. And it's like, what? who ever told you that? Where in the Bible does it say that, you know, you have to do that? It's about spending time with him throughout the day, taking intentional time, sure. And, and this is the thing, I had to repent. Tommy doesn't even know this yet, but I felt so like, Way, uh, weighty this morning because I feel like I've held things over him before saying like oh you should be this way to be what looks like real Christian that's sickening that you, we would do that to the person we most love or most close to where it's about the heart and I know his heart is towards God I know his heart desires that so why would I put something over him that I don't even live up to myself. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were putting an expectation on other people, a judgment on other people for not doing certain things. But Jesus said they themselves weren't even doing it. They themselves weren't even doing it. Exactly. He said, do what they say, don't do what they do. Because they're saying good things, but they're not doing it. Form of godliness without power. We're saying you should, you know, all of us know the right things to do. So I think uh, any of us, we have an ability. I know there have been times where I've given counsel to people in the past six months. God was bringing them to mind where I told them to do things that I needed to do myself and I wasn't doing them, but I knew they were the right thing to do, so I was counseling the person to do them, but I wasn't even doing it myself. That's hypocrisy. That's a religious spirit where all of a sudden you have all the answers for the whole world, but you're not practicing any of those things. God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance of things. And we should, when we do things for other people to see, that's what's called a religious spirit, to appear holy, to appear like we have a strong relationship. And it's a hard thing because if it's been going on for a long time, I remember my first missions trip to Brazil. I was 16 years old. And now this is, I was functioning in a very strong religious spirit at this time of my life from like 13 till 16, 17. 18. And I was the one in the youth group that was like, no one should date because it's wrong. And you guys are all wasting time. And I was extremely vocal, like, oh, you need to be spending time with Jesus. And da, da, da. did I, oh, I didn't date, but I didn't spend time with God every day. I wasn't that disciplined. 
But I knew that that was the right thing to do. And so I said, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you're so not really following God. And I was super judgmental. And I had this appearance of like Miss Holy. Well, we go to Brazil the first year I go. And I'm like the first couple days I was so depressed. I wanted to kill myself. No, this is like literally I was sitting there during a quiet time and I was so distracted because they made you have quiet time every day. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I can't think of anything. Like, And all I thought was this knife in the kitchen and like, I'm going to go kill myself. Right. So that's dark. That's dark. And so my team gathers together. There's just six of us. And they say, we're going to pray today. And I just all of a sudden this outburst. I need prayer, guys. Please pray for me. As soon as I pr- asked for prayer, sharing my weakness, all of a sudden the light of God flooded my heart. And I started weeping because I had realized that I was empty. I had zero relationship with him or very minimal. And I was just this hypocritical, pharisaical type that was telling everyone else what to do, had this great appearance of like, strong Christian, leader, teacher, all these things, position, and I had zero relationship. And it was a hard place for me to confess because I thought, oh, none of my friends are going to trust me anymore, and they're going to be so mad, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't care at that point. And the light of God, like literally, I remember feeling like light flooded my mind and my heart. And it was like, Yeah, I gave my life to the Lord when I was five, but something different (laughs) happened when I was 15, 16 16 years old. Light flooded my eyes. And then it started this process of God exposing the religious spirit. I want to read one last scripture because, um, and this is another one that you could meditate on this week read through in Matthew 6. This part of the, it's all in Matthew, right? So Jesus, uh, Matthew obviously was convicted by these words. Like <laughs> he wrote them all down, <laughs> what Jesus was saying. Matthew 6. And we know this is part of the Beatitudes. Verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, there's not a problem with praying out in the streets or anything like that. The point here is saying uh, they stand and pray in the synagogues so that they may be seen by men. He's touching on the heart attitude. The reason why they were doing that was so that they could be seen 
and honored by men for what they were doing. They could be seen as religious. Exactly. Back to the heart. So he was saying, in order to kill the motive, do the opposite. And that's what we have to do. We're asking God, where, where am I functioning in the religious spirit? What piece am I, where am I doing that? Because I think each of us have places that we are. So we ask him to show us, and then to kill that, we begin to do whatever we're doing in the secret. Someone said once to me, if you're dancing and worshiping here together on a corporate gathering and you're going wild, because I used to be like a crazy woman. You know, when I was on the worship team, I would jump up and down and flail and run. And But then someone said, and I loved it. Like, I love the presence of God. I love worship. And I think at that time I was just ignorant, too, of some things. But someone challenged me and said, Wesley, are you doing that in your bedroom, too, when you have worship time? When you're by yourself? No, I wasn't even worshiping when I was by myself. I was doing it only in public places to be seen by people, to look like I was the most radical, the most crazy for Jesus, whatever, to then be spoken of by other people as Wesley's the most radical or she's the most crazy for Jesus. Jesus freak. Sounds so good to my ears. You know, I want to be that true Jesus freak, do it in your room by yourself. Prove your Christianity. Prove your love by God, for God by doing it in secret. That's the beauty of it. And so uh, during this last week of the fast, focusing on this, asking God, and maybe he'll give you other things too. You know, I, I don't want to just focus in on the things he's doing in me because this is these are a lot of things he's highlighting in me too. But as you read the scriptures, taking that time, ask God, challenge yourself. Let the Spirit of God challenge you. Are you doing stuff to appear a certain way and then living a whole different life in the secret place before God? We don't want that. I don't want that. I know none of us want that. You know, we're, we're sincerely asking God, and he, but he shows us, you know. He shows us where I'm holding people to a standard that I don't live up to myself. That's a key. Holding people to a standard that you do not live up to yourself. Give me that God. God, forgive me. Does any, do you have anything to say? Anyone have anything in their heart to add to that? That's the thing, though. That's the difference. When you know your heart's pure before God, that's all that matters. Who cares what people think? But when we're doing something just, and that's that's why we can't necessarily judge other people. 
because we don't know the heart. God judges the heart. God would never judge anyone and say, oh, you're praying in public. You must be doing it to be seen. No, I don't know that. I could never know that. God alone knows. So my religious, I need to cut that off and say, I'm not even going to, whatever, that's between them and the Lord. You know, that's, that is between them and God, and I'm not going to get in the middle of it. But we should be challenging one another. You know, in, in love with the people we're closest to that see us in secret, that see us behind closed doors. Hey, you're doing this on Sunday, but at home, not really. Where's the disconnect? And that's a loving thing. That's not, that's not a harsh judgment. That's saying we want to encourage each other to become like Jesus, to get pure, to have our hearts purified, to have our minds washed. So then we shouldn't be offended by it. You're like, oh, you're right. I do do that. And then you apologize, and then you move forward. doesn't have to be like this crazy thing where you're like, okay, go on. It's like, no, he's forgiving. You recognize it, you receive it, you move forward. Be like Jesus. Yeah. Everyone's like, hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's fine. Let's let's pray then. Let's pray and uh, continue this throughout the week and confessing to one another where we have, you know, if, if you've held a standard over someone else in your life that you yourself aren't even walking in, apologize, make it known, break that. Expose it. It feels so good once it's over with. <laughs> During, not so much, but once it's over with, it feels great. <laughs> so, Father, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy towards us every day because you see all these places in us where we do these things to appear a certain way, Father, and you're, you're so patient in our process of change. And we're thankful for that, Father, today. And I pray, God, that you would speak to us this week, each one of us, personally, individually, where we might be functioning in the religious spirit, where we're trying to appear a certain way to get honor or to be loved by people. God, I, I pray that you would expose it in us. Show us, God, we want the real deal. We want real Christianity. We want real relationship with you. And we don't want to be making disciples after a form, after rules and regulations. We want to train people and bring them into this loving relationship. So start it in us first, God. Take it deeper in us that so that what we multiply in our communities, in our families, is real, right relationship with God in the heart. Holy Spirit, you know each one of us intimately. You know us well. You know how to speak to us. I pray as we take these this last week and take specific times to listen, 
that you'd speak clearly through your word to our hearts, revealing, bringing to mind things that we've done or said or areas, God, that, that you alone see. Change us. Make us like Jesus. We desire it above anything else. And, and Father, I just pray for Terry this morning. We agree for our sister for breakthrough, God. We thank you for her life. We thank you for what you're doing in her life, God. We thank you for healing in her physical body, but healing in her mind, healing in her emotions, healing on the inside. Lord, pour out on her today, even as she just needed rest and sleep, whatever it was she needed, God. Touch her there right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, pour out over her household. I pray breakthrough over her husband in Jesus' name, that, th that there would be a breaking off of deception and lies that he has carried for so long. Breakthrough, we agree for it in Jesus' name, that today light would flood that household and that they would know you, Jesus, in an intimate way. They would know truth, and truth would set them free. We're crying out for her, God. We know it's compel you're compelling us by your love to pray for her, to labor for her, breakthrough, freedom, deliverance for her, for her and her entire family. We thank you for bringing Gary back, God, and I pray that you would strengthen him, that you'd connect him to the people he needs to be connected with. Thank you for this family, God, and the purposes that you have for them. We agree with Jay, Jay's word, and we say yes and amen to it. Let it be so in them and over them that you would be glorified. Father, we love you above anything else. Draw us in. Draw us in to relationship, to intimacy with you. This week, God, deeper purpose for your people. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.